HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network. With more than 30 weekly podcasts, HRN has something for every food lover. Learn more at heritageradionetwork.org. This episode is brought to you by 818 Tequila. Handcrafted, expert approved, with over 20 international blind tasting awards. 818 Tequila, imported by 818 Spirits, Manhasset, New York, 40% alcohol by volume. Drink responsibly. We started really looking more closely at what value meant for our business. And then COVID hit. And what we realized is the value of the food we were growing, we were really looking at it in a one-dimensional way, which is, you know, as a financial profit, what can we yield per, per square foot? And found is that there's value in these crops that might be far greater and more impactful for somebody who doesn't have access financially to compensate us for $12 a pound for salad greens. That was Anastasia Cole Plakius on What Doesn't Kill You. She's the co-founder of the Brooklyn Grange, a company that sprouts urban jungles by landscaping rooftops with gardens. In reconsidering where they derive value, the Brooklyn Grange steered away from expensive lettuce. Instead, they grew crops that were culturally valuable to the Chinese-American community, like bok choy, and they contributed to a local food pantry. Growth is essential to our food system, regardless of if you're the one buying bok choy or planting it. It's the main order of business for any company or industry, whether you're trying to grow in impact, profit, or reach. So what can a nascent fruit tree or an upward trend tell us about camaraderie or capitalism? We'll see what HRN shows have to say about fledgling seedlings, booming markets, and opportunities for ethical expansion in the hospitality industry. From tech to tomatoes, we're talking about growth. I'm Dylan Hoyer, and this is Meat and Three on HRN. Meat and Three. Meat and Three. Meat and Three. One meat, three sides. Food, news, and storytelling. A square meal for your ears. Meat and Three. Growth can happen in your own backyard. On Feast Your Ears, 
Host Harry Rosenblum speaks to Baker Creek Heirloom Seed Company's Shani McCabe. Shani is an expert on gardening and shares some of her extensive knowledge about producing delicious food just feet away from her kitchen. Shani's specialty, and in her opinion, one of the most rewarding gardening ventures, is heirloom plants. An heirloom is an open pollinated variety, and Mm. that means that the genetics have been stabilized and that it is a naturally crossed variety, which means that a bee or the wind or just a person with a paintbrush in their hand can cross pollinate, you know, say two tomatoes and make a special kind of cross, say a striped green tomato. And if you save those seeds year after year, they become stabilized and you can save the seeds from that tomato. When you plant it, you will get the same characteristics. Shani teaches us that if you're patient, there's a simple way for any gardener to grow a perfectly unique heirloom tomato. So you find, you grow your tomato, you fall in love with it. So um, enjoy that tomato. The next one that you see that looks really, really, really tasty, just let it get a little softer, a little overripe, maybe a little wrinkly. And then you're going to cut it open and squeeze those seeds out. You're going to put them into a cup of water and you're going to cover them with, we'll say, like a little piece of paper towel. And you're going to let them ferment for a few days and get a little moldy. Mm. And then you're going to rinse the uh, the mold off the top, rinse the water off, and you're going to just dry the seeds on a paper towel. And you're going to put them in somewhere cool, dark, and dry. This is always the recipe for safely saving your seeds over the winter so that they're still fresh and viable the next year. Is to keep them somewhere cool, dark, and dry. You um, would just save those tomatoes year after year, always picking the fruit that you really, really love. While Shani lays out a foolproof method for heirlooms, she understands it takes time to grow one tomato, let alone to start a whole heirloom variety. Gardening isn't easy, and even Shani has lost her fair share of cucumbers. She encourages new gardeners not to lose hope after a few slug-infested seasons. Here's a few key tips for beginners who may not be quite ready to take on the heirloom challenge. I always learn everything from failing, but if we want to avoid some major failures at the beginning, I always suggest to start things that like to be direct seeded. Um, starting things, starting seeds in your house and transplanting them out, that's um, a great method, but if you want to be really beginner and start start super easy. I like things that can just go directly into the ground. Mm. Um, so waiting until after your last chance of frost has passed and planting out some beans, some sunflowers, maybe some cucumbers, maybe some pumpkins. Those are super easy. Um, and they're just, they're easy to germinate. They're easy to grow. Um, zinnias, sunflowers, marigolds, calendulas, those are cosmos. Those are some of my favorite flowers. Um, and they're super, you know, super duper easy. And then, yeah, things like squash, beans, um, uh, cucumbers, those are super duper easy. Tomatoes are pretty darn easy, but you do want to start them indoors and then transplant them out. And if it's your first time growing your own fruits and veggies, remember to maintain reasonable expectations. Shani stresses the importance of quality over quantity during your first season. So 
maybe two types of greens and just one type of bean and maybe one zucchini and one cucumber and then put your you know put all your uh effort and juice into growing like one or two kinds of tomatoes you're going to start them inside it'll be a little more effort a bit more of a learning curve but i'm telling you peppers i mean tomatoes are totally totally worth the effort so one or two tomatoes maybe a cooking tomato like a roma or san marzano and a slicing or cherry tomato for snacking and uh, just eating on sandwiches for Shani, there's no feeling quite like standing in her backyard, feasting on some veggies straight off the vine. I feel like a king when I go out to my garden and I'm just like casually snarfing down cherry tomatoes. It's like, this is my kingdom. Growth can be something wonderful. With gardening, we're not only nurturing plants, but our curiosity, creativity, and care for the world around us. Here at HRN, we have a show dedicated to nurturing that same curiosity and creativity in the youngest of eaters. Time for Lunch invites kids to explore and celebrate the people and places that feed us. On an episode all about peaches, co-host Hannah Forden spoke with one South Carolina farmer about their adorable method for engaging kids on the farm and helping their peach trees to grow. Now, growing peaches might seem easy. You can do what Harry did and plant a seed. You can imagine a beautiful peach tree growing with tasty, ripe peaches hanging from its branches. But in reality, farming and growing fruit especially is super hard work. Okay, hey, I'm Jermaine Jenkins, the chief farm officer and co-founder of Fresh Future Farm. Jermaine's farm is in the city of Charleston. She doesn't have acres and acres of space, but she grows a lot of delicious produce in her urban plot. Our biggest item that moves the fastest, though, are our peaches. Not only does Jermaine grow food on her farm and sell it at their on-site grocery store, she also helps young folks learn how to grow their own food. A few years ago, she planted some peach trees. It took a long time for them to start bearing fruit. She waited and waited. One year, two years, three years, still no peaches. That third year, Charleston was hit with a big snowstorm. Then when the snow cleared, Jermaine had some special guests at Fresh Future Farm. I remember as a kid, you know, in science class or biology or something, them telling you to talk really nicely to a plant to see if it would grow. And if you were mean to the plant, if it wouldn't grow. Well, like, you know, what our West African ancestors like do whenever they grow stuff is they pour libations out for their crops and they also do harvest dance. So we found a, a troupe that did it and like, hey, you know, my husband like dances out there. We play music sometimes. But let's be intentional about bringing like a West African um, cultural experience to the farm. Drummers came and dancers and her little farm was filled with music. This Denenefe West African group did this dance in April by our peach trees that were naked and small. And then a month later, we like trees had hundreds of peaches on them all the way to the top. And they were the juiciest peaches that you would ever have. Something about that harvest dance was really good for Jermaine's peach trees. 
I mean, who doesn't like being sung to? She decided to make this sort of musical encouragement part of her normal farming routine. The students who join her for summer camp play an important role. We had the kids um, talk and sing to our peach trees. And because we didn't want to appropriate West African culture, um, we just we just like cheered like you would cheer for your classmate when they're rounding second base in softball. And we just like peach, 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 peach. Yay. Thank you, peaches. And all of those that second bunch of peaches produced. Do you have plants at home or a garden, a tree outside your window? Give it a try. Tell the peach that you appreciate it. And just like just imagine the vibrations between like the clapping and the stomping and stuff, reaching that peach and the peach responding with um, ripened fruit. If there's a child in your life who would love to hear more jokes and stories all about food, help them listen to Time for Lunch. It's time for a brief break. But when we return, the adults explore stories about sustainability and demographic change. This episode is brought to you by 818 Tequila. 818 creates their tequila using traditional methods at a family-owned and operated distillery in Jalisco, Mexico. 818 is created from fully matured blue agave from the Los Altos and Valles regions of tequila. It is then slow cooked for over 30 hours, extracted using traditional Tahona wheels, distilled twice in copper pot stills, and aged in American and French oak barrels. This process creates the best tasting, highest quality tequila possible. Their tequilas have received over 20 blind tasting awards. They strive for excellence in every sip. 818's Blanco is sweet and smooth, with undertones of tropical and citrus fruits. Their Reposado is soft and balanced, with notes of caramel and vanilla. Their Añejo is elegant and velvety, with crisp herbal notes and a warm vanilla finish. Visit drink818.com to learn more about their tequila and find it near you. 818 Tequila, imported by 818 Spirits, Manhasset, New York, 40% alcohol by volume. Drink responsibly. HRN is home to transformative exchanges about food. We hope our diverse lineup of shows opens your eyes, educates, and empowers. I spent seven years working in the restaurant and bar industry in front of house and back of house. And I just feel like Heritage Radio Network's content helps me feel so well connected to the other creators and chefs and restaurateurs and all the amazing things that they're doing. I still feel like I get to be a part of the kind of in team. Join us during our summer membership drive by donating and becoming a member. Members play an essential role in keeping nonprofit food radio on the air. Go to heritageradionetwork.org slash donate to become a member today. We thank you for your support. Welcome back to Meat and Three. For our next story, we'll shift to looking at growth within an industry. Food tech is a rapidly changing market that creates and develops new food products. Back in October, former Impossible Foods and Tesla executive Rachel Conrad 
Join TechBytes to speak on the state of this sector and its potential to solve major global issues. The amazing thing about the food sector and why there's so much interest in it among environmentalists, entrepreneurs, um, venture capitalists, investors, powers that be, is precisely because if we can send demand signals to the food sector that that there is an interest in plant-based, that there is an interest in sustainable food that doesn't torch the planet, that has a very low carbon footprint, well, then we can send signals to farmers, to farming companies, to countries in general, that this is where you should be placing your bets. These are the kind of seeds that you should be planting. And this is the kind of use of your land that we consumers really, really appreciate and want to pay for. And if we can send those signals quickly, well, then you can actually change agriculture in the course, in the sort of time scale of crop cycles, which is a few years. And so it truly is the only industry that has the power to reverse global warming, to halt biodiversity collapse. No other industry can say that in the time scale that we need. As one third of Earth's arable land is used solely to cultivate livestock feed, food tech could create sustainable solutions to food production. Rachel cites the rise of plant-based meat alternatives as the crux of this expansion. She also notes that while initial consumer demand popularized these products, it's interest from large corporations that currently drives growth. The dialogue has gone largely from one that was driven by consumers, primarily young consumers, by the way, to one where CEOs, chairmen of the board, board members, analysts, industry pundits are now talking about this, not from just a place of demand, but from a place of, of business continuity, of supply chain continuity. That's what's really changed. So again, I see this as an inevitable shift that is happening, and it's frankly happening a lot faster than a lot of us, even in the industry, thought was going to happen. While the possibility of reversing climate change with a veggie burger sounds promising, the reality is more complicated. As food writer Alicia Kennedy argues, plant-based burgers cannot alone solve environmental degradation. The protein in a Beyond Burger is primarily pea protein, And when produced on an industrial scale, it reinforces monoculture farming that prevents crop diversification. The impossible breakfast sandwich is served at Starbucks with an egg and cheese, both of which are animal products that produce planet-warming emissions. From Alicia's point of view, fake meat products are a form of greenwashing. Companies are putting more resources into marketing themselves as eco-friendly than actually improving the environment. Despite the concerns, many are backing this industry. In 2021 alone, $12.8 billion was invested in food tech. Host Jennifer Liuzzi points out that the high performance of last year's stock market drove money into the food tech industry and benefited its growth and innovation. There's actually a significant amount of money in the world right now to be able to be invested both on the institutional side and on the personal side. Are people driving that money into this type of innovation and this type of vision for the future? 
Oh, absolutely. I mean, from where I sit, um, you know, I'm a few miles from Sand Hill Road, right? The uh, epicenter of the venture capital industry. There is an unprecedented interest in food tech and ag tech, like never before. In July 2022, however, as the stock market changes rapidly, the state of the industry is not secure. It's possible that the outcome of this volatile time could help clarify both the investment trends and the intentions behind food tech. Next, let's look at another controversial form of growth as we shift our lens from changing industries to changing neighborhoods. What happens when a new restaurant opens on the street that you grew up on? On one hand, restaurant owners aim to find affordable rent and reach new clientele, growing their businesses. On the other, longtime businesses might be priced out of an area, changing the character of a place to the detriment of locals. Studio Atau, which stands for All Together at Once, is a nonprofit organization and think tank that works in the intersection of social justice and hospitality. They create community-based programming, provide education, and conduct research on how to make the food and beverage industry more equitable for marginalized communities. Another fun fact, Studio Atau was founded by HRN host alum Jenny Dorsey. On Tech Bytes, host Jennifer Liuzzi spoke to Studio Atau's head of programming, Eja Kwong, about the complexities of business expansion, community development, and gentrification. At the core of hospitality, right, it's about gathering, it's about welcoming, and it's about nurturing. And for us, when we think about, you know, communities and restaurants entering those communities, I think a lot of the time we enter this conversation around gentrification. And I think a lot of restaurants and coffee shops get a lot of slack because I think people see them as oftentimes the first signs of gentrification, right? They kind of say, oh, that hip new restaurant is entering the space. Oh, this neighborhood's going to change right away. And for us, you know, I think we believe that that doesn't necessarily have to be the case. In the popular imagination, the word gentrification elicits images of hipsters in Brooklyn. Some people uh, immediately associate gentrification with displacement. Other people are framing it more in terms of replacement. Other people think of it as, you know, um, a place that once experienced disinvestment, suddenly receiving investment, but that's aimed at, once again, attracting and serving those more affluent people rather than serving those existing residents. Um, some people think of the cultural displacement, right? The loss of a sense of place, the loss of a sense of, you know, comfort in the ways that you are existing. Edric advocates for expanding this definition. But I think what we do want to believe is that, you know, a neighborhood can improve. A neighborhood can revitalize in a way that still involves the people who lived there the longest, who have been there and planted their roots there. According to Edric, there is room for growth in the restaurant industry when it comes to making newly developed spaces financially accessible to locals. But what brings restaurants and bars to those neighborhoods in the first place? Or in other words, why can't you grow your business somewhere else? They are opening their businesses in certain areas because of rising rents or also because of certain incentives that are given to them, whether that be through developers or whether that be through the government as well. In light of real estate pressures, Studio Atau's project, The Neighborhood's Table, creates research-based frameworks to help hospitality businesses connect with their local communities. 
There are community land trusts out there, which are mission-driven nonprofits that essentially acquire land either through direct purchase or donation and hold the land intentionally for the benefit of the current or future community. There are shared equity models that have worked in the past. There are community development corporations or public development authorities that are around specifically to really think critically about how do we really preserve these spaces so that low-income residents can still benefit. But I think the the question and what we're trying to really reach through this initiative is to say, how can we build power amongst hospitality business owners and community organizers who are thinking about these issues and can actually speak back to developers or kind of make demands of developers or kind of say, hey, these are things that are going to benefit us so that we can continuously you know, invest in the community and make sure this is a livable place. Studio Atau recently conducted a survey that shows just how important responsible growth in the hospitality industry is to locals. We've linked to those results in the show notes for you. All in all, it's a work in progress and serves as a reminder to continue asking who benefits from growth and who suffers its consequences. Learn more about the guests and topics we touched on this week by checking out our show notes. Special thanks this week to Anne Sherrick, Bianca Garcia, and Aviva Futornik. Meet in 3 is produced by Matt Patterson, Katie Mosman-Wadler, and me, Dylan Hoyer. Our audio engineer is Matt Patterson. Our theme song was composed by Breakmaster Cylinder. This program is supported in part by public funds from the New York City Department of Cultural Affairs in partnership with the City Council. Meet in 3 is powered by Simplecast. Meet in 3 is a production of Heritage Radio Network, the world's pioneer food radio station. Learn more at heritageradionetwork.org and follow us at heritage underscore radio. And please stay in touch. Whether you have a story idea or would just like to say hey, write us at ideas at meetin3.nyc. That's all spelled out. <laughs>